folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, Matthew Collar here. We'll get into the show in just a second, but first got to tell you about Abner Maris, a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer he is today. He will discuss the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and his American dream. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, as always, along with Pro Football Focus's Mr. 6 and 10, Eric Eager. What is up, Eric? How are you feeling about this 1-4 and four start that you were the only person that predicted? I, I wouldn't say it feels good, um, but and, and it certainly has been lucky. If you were rooting for the Vikings under this year, the last three games have been lucky, right? Or two two out of three games. Because I think they've played well enough to win in at least two of the three games. And, you know, coming out of it one and two um, it is a bad beat for them. I know you and Courtney had the podcast, the most Vikingsist games. <laughs> and I feel like losing to a ten- Tennessee team that was down, what, five and kicked a field goal to go down two and then kicked another field goal to go up one instead of just trying for the touchdown of the first, like that's a Vikings ish loss, right? Like a, an opposing team kicking six field goals on you when their kicker was dead, basically uh, that's a Vikings ish loss. And then obviously the Seattle game uh, when, you know, basically Zimmer other than the two point, the middle two point conversion did an amazing job all game of being tactical, calling a great game plan. Uh, but then, you know, Russell Wilson sort of showing you the difference between a real quarterback and your quarterback um, at the end, like those are Vikings level losses. And, you know, as somebody who's watched the team my entire life, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, ne- I'm never not surprised, even though I should be, you know, I, I should be pretty desensitized to this at this point. Yeah, I had the list of top five and so did Courtney, but I had at least five more Vikings losses 
as you know ones that easily could have made it into the top five. There were a bunch, and it seems like that's just Zimmer's way of losing. There are a handful of blowouts for sure throughout. I mean, as every team is going to have the Bills loss in 2018, the 2016 game against uh, the Indianapolis Colts, which was 34 to six, and the first time I had ever heard the Skull Vikings song with no people in the stadium. Like now that happens all the time, but the first time was jarring because of how much it echoed off of everything. Uh, that was the first time I'd heard it. But outside of that, there's only a couple that have gone really bad. It's like they never have normal losses. They don't lose a game like 28-21. Both teams play fairly well, and you don't come through. It's got to be either in tragic fashion or a complete blowout in the Zimmer era. And I think that's maybe part of having a lot of good players and a good team, but not quite enough to get you over the hump. You're not losing 28-21 to all the time like a generally bad team. And I guess that's my question. And then I've got, I think, a couple of fun ways to go with this um, is, so they're one in four. And I mean, you can't say that a one in four team is good because that's ludicrous. And I agree with the old Parcells thing, like you are what your record is. And I said to someone on Twitter, you don't get to go to the playoff committee and argue your case. It was only one point, sir. Let me in. Like, no, that's not how it works. You get in by your record. Um, But these last three weeks have seen them play pretty well in a lot of different areas. But I think it's impossible to look at the schedule and look at the NFC and say, well, they still have a shot at the playoffs because you have to go on the road and play a bunch of tough games. And even if your home schedule isn't that tough, it leaves no room for error. You basically would have to sweep the home schedule all the way through. And you know they're losing to Teddy. And uh, they also have to play, you know. Teddy's going to shred them up so much. (laughs) It's unreal. It it has to happen. This is one that we've been calling for I don't know how long. It's just because it's it's Vikings-y. But uh, what would the PFF data say about uh, anyone who is optimistic still based on their recent performances. Yeah, it, it's a long haul. And part of the reason, so it's the same thing is also true. You know, variances hit the Vikings a number of ways this year, but the, the chief among them is the Chicago Bears are 4-1. and one. And, you know, as much as we want to say that's fraudulent, and I kind of think it is, you know, you don't get to take those wins away from Chicago when right. the season you know ends. And, um, you know, we had Minnesota with a 19% chance to make the playoffs before this game. It dropped significantly, obviously, with a loss, not only a loss, but a loss to another NFC team. Um, but you look at the, you know, not only their schedule, you're getting a Falcons team, which is coming off of firing their coach, a team that has some talent, especially offensively. Then you go to Green Bay, Lions, and you go to Chicago, the aforementioned 4-1. and one. Then you're home to the, the, the Cowboys. Now, that's a break. Because obviously, you know, Prescott's not playing, but that's not going to be an easy game either. Yep. Panthers is a harder game than I think people envisioned. Jaguars and Bucks are harder games than we envisioned. And then Bears Saints are not going to be easy. So it's going to be a really tricky stretch for them. Um, and when you look at the NFC, like they're significantly behind the eight ball um, in the NFC North with, you know, they're uh, three and a half games back of. Uh, Green Bay with a tiebreaker. They're four games back of Chicago, or three games back of Chicago. But then you also look at the the playoff team, the possible playoff teams. The Rams are four and one. Mm-hmm. Seahawks are five and out. The Cardinals are three and two. Uh, the 49ers are two and three. And and you know I think moving forward they're probably stronger than the Vikings. Uh, and then in the in the South you have three teams that all ha- are three and two. Um, so 
I don't know, man. It's just it's going to be really tough for them. I mean, getting one of these last two games that they've lost by a point probably would have been a, a big help. But even then, I think it's just a really tough ask to go get in the playoffs in the NFC. Whereas you look at the AFC, a lot a lot better chances for some of those weaker teams. Yeah, I laid it out uh, in an article today just about how many teams are in the hunt that you have to uh, compete against. So it's not just the fact that you have to get to X number of record, but it's that you have to overtake a bunch of teams. And, you know, early on, your performances have not helped much in terms of, you know, whether you would get this tiebreaker or that tiebreaker. I mean, those are a ways down the road, and you'd have to perform pretty well through there. But just in the hunt before the Saints game last night, Cardinals, Saints, 49ers, and Eagles were all ahead of the Vikings in terms of the the in-the-hunt graphic. That I mean, that's a lot. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when a hockey team falls down to, like, 12th place, and you'll see writers say, well, hey, they're only three points out of eighth, right? But that's three other teams that they somehow have to jump who are saying the same thing and have the same, you know, sort of circumstance. So I, I think that... You know, talking about the playoffs at this moment until you beat, I think, Green Bay at Lambeau, then you might be able to talk about it. And, of course, you can't have a meltdown against the Atlanta Falcons. If you do that, then it's all, you know, take the whole roster apart. And, you know, then you're talking about pressure on the coach, I think. Like, right now, we would say, overall, Zimmer, I think, has done an okay job, especially against Seattle. I thought he did a fantastic job for most of that game of slowing down Russell Wilson. And the team is playing for him. They just are so severely uh, bad in certain positions that it's killing their ability to be great in other positions. So you're so bad at guard that you can't even maximize Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You're so bad at at least one corner the other night that you can cover Tyler Lockett just fine, but you can't cover DK Metcalf too, and that's going to be an issue going forward. And that's one of the reasons it's very hard to say, oh yeah, well, you know, you pull an upset in New Orleans at the end of the season. I don't know, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, are you covering those guys? You know, how about Tampa Bay if they get healthy, if they acquire another weapon because they lost O.J. Howard? Are you beating them on the road, too? I mean, it's a tough sell. Even Detroit. Detroit has multiple good wide receivers that I don't know how you're stopping all of them if they're still playing for Matt Patricia. So there's that element of it. But what I want to ask you, because you were the sage, so to speak, that saw 6-10 and 10 coming, uh, if we go back into, say, early March, and say we could rewrite the offseason for the Vikings in order for them to be 4-1 and one instead of 1-4 and four at this moment, what would have had to have happened in March slash you know, the draft as well for them to be a winning team right now as opposed to in a very difficult spot? I think it goes back to February, doesn't it? I mean, the, the key thing here, I wrote about the Atlanta Falcons and how they fired Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. And one of the things I said, and I pointed out the Vikings in this too, was they had a choice between a defensive-minded coach and an offensive coordinator. They, and, you know, the Falcons at the time made the wrong decision in letting Shanahan walk and keeping Quinn. Um, you know, it doesn't always work. Tampa Bay fired Lovey Smith and kept Dirk Cutter when it appeared as though Dirk Cutter was an up-and-coming offensive mind. But that really was the mistake. And I think to your point, it sort of underscores why this was the right move to begin with. Zimmer has been pretty good. I mean, they did a decent job. I don't know. They didn't do a great job against the Titans. But they did a decent job against Houston. And they did a great job against Seattle. And it wasn't enough. 
Zimmer is was probably the maybe the perfect coach to coach this team in 2017 with a healthy defense and a limited quarterback. He's I think the almost orthogonal to what they need now, which is an offensive minded coach to deal with a bad defense. And because the gains to be made in de- in getting better defensively are minimal, you know, when when quarterback isn't resolved and your defense is bad, the gains to be made on the offensive side of the ball, as we are seeing in Cleveland, are immense. They Baker Mayfield hasn't played that much better than Kirk Cousins. In fact, he hasn't played that much better than what he was last year. But they're they're doing everything tactfully correct. They're taking advantage of all of their uh, edges and all of their skill position players, and they're four and one for the first time since Bill Belichick was their coach. And I think that was the turning point um, because I think if Stefanski is here, Diggs may, might stay. Um, you know, obviously the quarterback position could have been resolved differently. It may be the same, um, but maybe handled differently. Same player, but handled differently. Um, and you look at what Cleveland's done. The first thing that they did was sign Jack Conklin and draft Jedrick Wills. And, and that team, it, it, you know, you, you see it every single week. So that to me is the number one thing. And I don't think it's a dig on Zimmer. It's just a, it's just a, a, an inventory of where the league is currently. And then after that, I mean, you know, essentially like they didn't really have a whole lot of freedom, but the freedom that they used was to get rid of guys. I mean, Lebo Joseph had a good game for the Chargers last night. Uh, Everson Griffin got a sack for, uh, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys against the Giants. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is playing extremely good football in Indianapolis. And the Vikings are left with a rebuilding defense and a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who is pretty good but limited. And and that, to me, that's not the, the type of, uh, you know, ingredients that you can win with when your coach is Mike Zimmer. I want you to explain the play calling metrics that you guys have because you showed me where the Cleveland Browns versus the Minnesota Vikings stand. And I think the Vikings offense has been really good over the last couple of weeks. Uh, We saw Kirk Cousins lead some key drives late in the game. He actually should have had a, uh, a game winning drive in the fourth quarter, but it got stolen away from him by a right guard who got crushed and a tackle also who got crushed on a key fourth down and one. Uh, that is just remarkable that they couldn't get six inches after running for 200 yards. But um, we've seen Justin Jefferson emerge. And then against Seattle, Irv Smith shows up with a couple of big plays. So, I mean, overall, I haven't looked at the offense and said, since they put Justin Jefferson in, wow, this is a disaster. Gary, what are you doing? But when you look at Cleveland, they don't have many new pieces on their offense, except for the offensive lineman that you mentioned. And Odell Beckham looks wonderful again. And they're running incredibly well, which was a staple of the Vikings in 2019 for how dominant they were as a running team. So how do you look at it in terms of the total impact of Kevin Stefanski leaving the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I, I will post the like the scheme cluster stuff, but I, I Cleveland and Minnesota are on the same what's called cluster, which is basically you draw a circle around the closest groups. Um, but there's a they Cleveland does everything Minnesota does just better. Um, you look at you know, and these are in neutral game situations, so they're not exactly you know every play. But Minnesota faces 7.6 men in the box per play. Cleveland, 7.4. So they have easier running lanes. Minnesota plays 10% of their plays are out of 11 personnel. Cleveland, 31. So Cleveland's third fewest in the league, but still three times as many as Minnesota. Not not as predictable. 
Minnesota's average depth of target 7.8. That's not bad. Cleveland's is 8.3. They're pushing the ball a little bit more. Minnesota uses 36% play action. Cleveland uses 42% play action, right? So they're pushing the envelope even further. Minnesota's play action mark is not low. It's pretty good. Cleveland pushes it further. Um, Minnesota runs outside zone at a very effective play 37% of the time, especially now that they're not calling holding. Cleveland runs it 44% of the time. You know, so they're they're even they're pushing that envelope. And then this is the last one. Minnesota, to their credit, using motion 44% of plays. Cleveland, 61% of their plays mm-hmm. has somebody in motion. So, like, it, it's as if Stefanski took all the took the the sca- the, the the scaffolding. You know, he, he took the the innards and he built something even better on top of the house that that uh, he had in Minnesota. And that's why. You know, Mayfield has just as many turnover-worthy plays as big-time throws. Um, he's not grading particular. He's got a 30 pass rating when under pressure. I mean, there's a lot of things where if he was playing in Minnesota, everybody would say, gosh, what is this guy doing? But Cleveland's pushing the envelope and pushing the edges that they have um, in a way that I think Minnesota is is on their way to, but maybe just not enough to get them over the hump the way that Cleveland's gotten over the hump. I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are the Duck Duck Gray Duck and the Randy Moss Goat, which you've got to see. Uh, All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. By the way, use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SOTASTICK, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Yeah, and I do think that Gary Kubiak with motion um, quickly adapted. And he mentioned even in a call, because I know he's older, so we automatically do the, oh, Gary's old, he's washed. But he did mention, um, you know, the pro football focus stats and how they meet with, a, a yep. you know, as, an, as a group and they talk about the numbers and things like that. And he said that it was clear that, you know, they were succeeding with motion. And sometimes it depends on the opponent, the situation and so forth. But that's working around the league. And they have ramped that up big time over the last couple of weeks, especially against Houston, uh, where they made life very difficult for the Texans because of that. So I think that Kubiak is adapting, but to your point with Stefanski basically turning, you know, these amps go to 11 kind of thing, like Mm -hmm. these analytics approach goes to 11. Um, But, and that was the reason that some people told me last off season that they wanted Kevin Stefanski to be the head coach. Not that people don't believe Mike Zimmer knows what he's doing, especially when it comes to defense. And my gosh, I mean, for 95% of that game, he certainly knew what he was doing and slowing down another elite quarterback as he's done so many times throughout his career with the Vikings. And I believe he can develop corners and I believe they can develop pass rushers and all these things. Um, But if you're talking about what approach would be able to overcome a bad defense, coaching them up is probably not the answer because you can't coach up dude is wide open against Cam Dantzler because he's a rookie and doesn't know what he's doing yet and might not be good. We decided in camp that he was good. He might not be. Um, We've seen this happen many times where a guy looks good early in his career or in camp and it just doesn't turn out. So we'll see on that like two or three years from now when we're sure about, you know, how this is played out. But if we go back and we put that aside and say, all right, Kevin Stefanski, you were the Browns, Mike Zimmer, you're staying here. 
um, and look at the way that they use the cap space they created. Because all the moves you mentioned, Linval Joseph gone, Everson Griffin gone, so forth. I'm not sure there's one that I'd pick out and say, oh, man, should have kept that guy. Like, Griffin hasn't played particularly well. Joseph couldn't rush the passer anymore. Michael Pierce is probably just as good. Uh, and, you know, you have Xavier Rhodes had one of the worst seasons from a corner I've ever seen. So if he's bounced back, it's probably because he's healthy. And I don't know if you would have seen that coming. Mackenzie Alexander didn't want to stay. Maybe that one's regrettable. Same with Stephon Diggs. It's regrettable when you have good players saying, I want to leave. Uh, and that's not a great sign for you. And that's happened in recent years. Uh, but if we talk about how they spent their money and what they did create, signing a nose tackle, okay, fine, I understand that. Then he opts out. All right, you're in a tough spot. That's not your fault. Daniel Hunter's injury, not your fault. But the trade for Yannick Ngakwe, feeling a little bit panicked there, and you know, spending some of your money on your running back and sort of leaving these other positions to just float in the air and hope that the corners, as opposed to signing some veteran corners, of which there was two dozen uh, on the free agent market that have played before. And with the guard position, I know we obsess over it, and I'm sure that you guys with the numbers sort of laugh, like, can you believe that this team is actually literally being – destroyed by their guards when that's the least valuable position on the field, but to not put any assets into a position that has just crushed them for years, that's where I would go back and say, I don't, I don't know if that's the right approach. And the Ngakwe thing, is it worth a second round pick now that I've seen him? I don't think so. I don't think it is. Is he decent? Like, sure. But you know, it's one or two good plays a game and that's about it from him as opposed to being a dominant all around player that you'd expect for that price. So I think if you could redo all of those things that you'd probably be looking at least one more win here. Well, I, I always think about this in terms of the Jamal Adams trade with, with um, the jets and the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Jamal Adams is probably worth a half a win to a win. Um, but that half a win for the Jets means what going from three to four, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And like that's not really worth that much. In fact, it probably hurts you long term. But that half a win puts Seattle in the one seed in the NFC, which is tr- which is worth another win itself, right? Because you mm-hmm. don't have to play in the first round. A- and I think the same thing about Yannick Ngakwe. I think all of these guys, Mackenzie Alexander extremely valuable to the Vikings when the other 10 defenders are great, right? Because that nickel corner was the, the, the spot that they struggled in. Um, and, but when the, when the team is sort of floundering, it's probably not going to be that noticeable. Um, you know, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire to the chiefs is not, is, is a decent pickup when the rest of the offense is great. Right. And you don't have holes everywhere else. He's, he's a nice, like add on. He's the nice shiny, uh, you know, rims to an already great car, but like, the, but he's not going to complete a, a deadbeat car, right? Like this, you know, the Vikings are full of situations. Like they tried to patch, they, 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 everything was broken and they tried kind of patchworking things when it, when a significant rebuild is probably in order. And, and to their credit, they did some of that. I mean, they accumulated enough draft picks to where, you know, Dantzler and Gladney, but then, but then you have, you know, Anthony Harris on the franchise tag. It was probably smart to let him go. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, same thing with, the, you know, Harrison Smith's getting a little older. Anthony Barr's getting a little older. And, you know, the the defense I don't think was good enough for one player to make that big of an impact. Yeah, the Anthony Harris one, in hindsight now, 
when you look at how much different he is when the rest of the defense is not so good. Um, and a lot of it, his, I mean, his PFF grades are marvelous for the last two years, but a lot of it is sometimes plays would come his way and he would make the play, but you can't always bank on, Hey, he's going to intercept a deep bomb from Drew Brees, or he's going to intercept, you know, undercut an Aaron Rodgers pass and be one of three human beings to pick off Aaron Rodgers in that particular year. Like it mm-hmm. just isn't necessarily uh, a thing that goes from year to year to be that ball hawk and expect to pick off passes. And I think Harris is a tremendous overall player, but when the other guy is the one who drives the bus and you can replace that position, 13 mil is a lot for five mil Anthony Harris. Hell yeah. You want that all day, but for 13 mil, it's like, you know, I, I heard Al Michaels say several times that the Vikings were in cap hell in the off season. And it's like, not really Al, because they spent all this money on these guys that, probably could have been spread as you guys have said at PFF to make average positions as opposed to saying, Hey, we have a great Anthony Harris who costs a lot of money. We have a great Delvin cook who costs a lot of money. Uh, I, and you, I, I won't say Yannick Ngakwe is a great player. I'll say he's a, a decent player, but again, he costs a lot of money where Vinnie Curry could give you what Yannick Ngakwe has given and he costs nothing. Um, I don't know what's left of Terrell Suggs. Maybe he's just called it a day. But like his performance last year for the Chiefs, not too different from Yannick Ngakwe for the Vikings at this moment. Not an impact player on most plays, gets a big sack every once in a while. And so that's where you could pull it back and say, you know, if I gave you just this chunk of money, you can spend it on three things that are very big things. This is like a thing you would do with your child at their birthday or something. Do you want two big presents or do you want 10 small presents? And the Vikings took the big presents and then crossed their fingers that everything else would be fine. And it did not turn out fine. Now, the other thing that I want to ask you about in terms of like sort of reviewing how we got here is the extension for Kirk Cousins, because I think this is the one that a lot of Vikings fans wake up in the middle of the night screaming about, um, because again, the other night, it's not being able to get the job done, turnovers, set up the Seahawks to come back against Tennessee. And this is why I'm not willing to say, oh, hey, they could just as easily be this because yeah. we've always been able to do that with Kirk Cousins. You just as easily could have shown up against the Packers in 2019. You just as easily could have won in, in week 17 of 2018. Like we could play this game all day. You're one and four. That's reality. Um, so, I th- but, but you feel trapped with that. Even the tank for Trevor people, you know that Kirk is going to win six games this year, or he's going to win five, or he's going to win seven. That's going to happen with Kirk Cousins, and it's not going to be enough for them to get over the hump, and you have him extended and set up with his contract for another extension, and that's where you go, man, the other potential options here in a full rebuild would have meant drafting a quarterback next year. I mean, Justin Herbert, I don't think he's going to be great, but was it exciting as hell to watch him with the Chargers? Sure was. I mean, if you're that fan base, you're like, oh, we lost, but man, that was cool. And, uh, you know, you won't get that next year with this Vikings team. You don't get that this year. And, you know, the same at the same time, too, I look at other quarterbacks who are just a product of what's around them and say, you kind of... The, the, the name of the game for the Vikings is just let's double down. Let's always double down. If we drafted a guy in the fourth round and he's terrible and can't possibly play and we put him in and, oh, my God, what is he doing out there? Double down, play him again next week. It's just it seems to be a thing that they always do. And, hey, our, our defense is 
really shredded by some injuries and an opt-out and everything else. Double down, get another defensive end as opposed to spending that money on a guard, right? So I don't know what you think of all that, but that's kind of what's running through my mind as they're in this position is it doesn't even sort of feel exciting about the future because you are locked into the same quarterback. I mean, that's the biggest tragedy of the 2020 season for the Vikings is that, you know, you want to be able to cultivate some hope, right? And And right now, um, you know, that is, I think that's lacking. I mean, there's some things, obviously Jefferson's great. Um, you know, the corners you have, you know, and, and Ngakwe is something to, to follow Brian O'Neill as well. Um, but you know, without, you know, young players at some of these core positions like quarterback, I mean, the chargers are one and four, they're in the same spot as Minnesota, but there's hope there, mm-hmm. you know, and, yep. and I don't know if it's misplaced. I think Herbert, there's a little bit of flukiness going on, but but that's okay. I mean, like, you know, he's very encouraging and, you know, and that, and that's, that's a lot to build off of. Right. And, um, you know, there are, there are obviously like tweaks they can make things they could do better, but you know, they're, they're, the cornerstone is there. Whereas in Minnesota, you know, folks are left looking for, um, you know, folks are looking, I think for, uh, you know, some things to latch onto here. You ever think about, I know you do. What if in 2018, they kept Teddy, who's playing great. If they drafted Lamar, who's an MVP. If they traded for Alex Smith, who uh, is back, but maybe never gets hurt like that. Uh, I think about this all the time of just the decision and the doubling down on Cousins, where he's been every bit of what you thought he was going to be in Washington. And this team often talks themselves into things that people aren't, like Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe is not Daniil Hunter. He's not an all-around player. He's not Everson Griffin. Oh, we'll just, you know, plug him in for Everson's spot, and he'll just be the same. And we'll just, you know, develop this right guard and draft him, and it'll be fine. Uh, Drew Samia, who couldn't pass block in college, he'll suddenly be able to pass block in the NFL. This guy's not a defensive end. He's a defensive tackle. No, back, he's a defensive end again. It's just they seem to talk themselves into things all the time. And I don't know. I guess this is a time to stop and say, gosh, like you look at the doubling down on Kirk Cousins and go, but wasn't he in the last two years, 2018 and 2019, exactly what he was in Washington? And why did you think the results would be different this time than they were then? Right. I mean, and that's really the problem, right? Is when, you know, the hard part is, is the Vikings in 2017 were not generally speaking, good enough to be in the NFC championship game. A lot of things went right for them. A lot of quarterbacks, I mean, Aaron Rodgers got hurt in their own division. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz got hurt in their own, you know, in their own conference. Um, a number of things went wrong and, you know, they were, you know, they ended up like riding the coattails that, you know, all their players and that, that were playing on defense in week one played in week in week 21 in the, or 20 in the NFC championship game. That doesn't happen all the time. And the hard part is, is everybody assumed that the NFC championship game was sort of like the norm. And in reality, it was, it was a relatively noisy thing that they were able to deal with. Um, and so they, they, they viewed themselves as a, as an NFC contender when they got cousins and cousins, you know, the whole thing was, well, he just needs to get this, you know, keep this train on the tracks when in reality, no, like he, they needed to get fundamentally better and that just wasn't the case. And unfortunately that's kind of been the deal here. Like last year they were a 10 and six team, but in reality, were they, I mean, they, they faced a lot of easy quarterbacks, um, a lot of backup quarterbacks. 
and Kirk played out of his mind for a month of the season. Is that really the norm? Um, you know, what we're finding this year is no. I mean, when you face Ryan Tannehill, you know, he's playing well. Deshaun Watson, he's playing well. Yeah, you got lucky and beat him. But Russell Wilson, even you caught him on a semi-bad game, and he still is good enough to beat you. Aaron Rodgers is the same. Um, and so, like, that's the issue. I think that the team has always had a problem properly evaluating themselves. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. I have to ask maybe before we wrap up here, um, Teddy, what do you think? Is that, uh, that going to keep going? Is that going to keep happening? I mean, he has just played really well, but also Arizona's defense is hilariously bad, and... The Falcons' defense is even worse. So you know, I and mean, the Chargers turned the ball over a lot in the game they won. But he was he was good in the first couple weeks. Um, I think against Tampa, he moved the ball, and that Tampa defense is pretty good. Um, so you know, I'm I'm on I'm actually on board. I think Bridgewater. The, the the thing about Carolina that's interesting is that they were I think the second most likely team to tank this year behind Jacksonville, um, and they have decided not to. And good for them. I mean. In the worst-case scenario, what Teddy Bridgewater has shown the, the Carolina Panthers is that Joe Brady is a really good play caller. Hmm. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are excellent receivers. And that's, you know, that's Alex Smithian, right? Like, Alex Smith showed the Chiefs that Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, uh, and, and company were really good weapons. And if they got an elite quarterback, they could be a Super Bowl contender. Now, Ted, what Teddy's going to try to do over the next – 11 games is 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 be that elite quarterback for Carolina but but he served a really good purpose so far in saying look there are some pieces in place here um and uh you know and right now he's good enough to have those pieces do great things 
and his running back has been out, and yet he's still been able to do it. Imagine you know, that. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it, uh, I'll say this about Dalvin Cook, by the way. Good on Dalvin for getting that contract before all this crap happened. Yeah. The, the Alexander yep. Madison yep. performance on Sunday Night Football is is the biggest own to any running back matter argument. Um, it, and, and that's saying a lot given Mike Davis and James Robinson's uh, season so far. Yeah. Um, it, it has been a good time for the don't pay running backs people, especially now. I mean, you look forward and if Dalvin continues to have the injuries and he's going to miss a game here, likely against Atlanta. And then, you know, you come back, but who knows? It just seems to be a thing that's always going to be a part of who he is. So even when he's in, he is marvelous, but how much more marvelous he is than Alexander Madison and how much that money that's worth is always really the debate there. So all right. Football, man. Uh, this has been quite a time of reliving everything they did. So I hope we can do it again soon. Are you excited? Are you excited about the rest of the season? It's going to be crazy. You know, it's going to be crazy. You know, weird stuff's going to happen. There's going to be all sorts of crazy storylines. Good on the Vikings, by the way, for, for not messing around with COVID. Like, they've been COVID-free probably, what, since the whole since the whole thing. So, um, you know, maybe that's their way in is, is, is some COVID related perturbations <laughs> to their schedule and they stay the course. And, you know, I, I have a heart. So here's a tricky thing. If they get to the end of the middle of the season at three and five, right. So that's two out of the next three games, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have to finish seven and one just to go to 10 and six. I think 10 and six right. is going to be required to make the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, because the good teams are decent and the bad teams are very bad. So even that extra playoff spot doesn't really help you. And teams in the the past have missed the playoffs going 10 and 6. So we might see that this year. So so to me, like that shows you how, I mean, the Vikings basically have to be what, 9 and and 2 down the stretch here? Yeah, that's Uh, that's super likely. Yeah, I I don't think Kirk has 9 and 2 in him, I would say. Well, if you just go through and circle the elite quarterbacks or even the very good quarterbacks, like you're going to have to play Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to play Tom Brady, you're going to have to play Drew Brees, and at least one of those games, Matt Stafford's great. You know that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, there's a halfway decent chance Nick Foles throws for 400 yards on you because it's just, you know, God wants that, I guess. So, I mean, right? Like Foles will just, one game he'll throw four picks and be horrible and you win, and the other game he'll throw for 400 yards because – he just heaves it up and sees what happens. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't put their uh, playoff chances very high, but I do put the chances of crazy stuff happening very high. And so yeah. it will be exciting. So, all right, well, we will was... uh, we'll do it again soon. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me on.